This is a shir on Likuti Sichos Chelak Yudches Bolok, the fourth sicha. The din is that the aftera of a parsha has to be with the inyan of the parsha. Me'ain me'inyan a parsha, the same concept of the parsha. And um, more than that, it's me'ain. It's similar to the end of the parsha. Um, as Rebbe quotes here in the footnote from Beis Yosef that when you have two parshas, for example when you read two Sefer Torahs you make the Haftarah based on the last one the, the second reading you've done and um, yeah so we want to find a connection not just to the parsha, but to the end of the parsha. similarly the Shaykhs of Parshas Bolak with Haftarah is L'Chaydah it seems to be a very clear Shaykhs why? because the Haftarah speaks about and the Haftar says, remember what Bullock wanted to do to you and what Bilam ben Be'er did and what took place there. Well, that's what it speaks about in Pasha's Bullock. So it's a reference to it in Haftar. So, okay. However, we understand, especially it's known that Lechatchila, what was the Haftar there for? The Haftar is there to take the place of the Kriya reading of the Torah in Shabbos and Yomta because the authorities at that time didn't allow for Torah reading. So they read the words of the prophets upon which there was no decree in this way. It was reminiscent. They knew which parsha they should have been reading. So it's not just one pasuk that should have a connection, but it should be a connection to the general content of the parsha because it's replacing, at that time when they weren't able to read the parsha, it replaced the parsha. So we know that the content of something is always expressed in both the beginning and the end. Yeah? Um, no, usually the... Sorry. Reverse. According to what we know, the Rebbe brings here from the that the content of a matter is hinted and alluded to specifically at its head. Remember, Rosh is not just beginning, Rosh is head. Head includes all the energy of the body. So, head includes the unfolding of the parsha. So, we understand that there's the beginning of the Avteda as a special connection to the parsha. What's the beginning of the Avteda? The opening words of the Avteda is, that the leftover, the remnant of Yaakov, will be amongst many nations. And they will be successful in the battle that they're fighting. And they will be a people, they will not place their hope on man, they will not place their um, hope on sons of men. In other words, they're not going, they're going to rely on Hashem, not going to rely on people. And that's obviously connected to the beginning of the Avtaira, says the Rebbe is connected with the end of Parshas Bala. Let's see how that works, base. Aftaria speaks about the time of the beginning of the Giyula. In other words, not the time when Mashiach is already a definite Mashiach, Mashiach Vada. After he already finishes, right, there's a period that the Rambam says is called Cheskas Mashiach when he's in the process of becoming. He's probably Mashiach when he's in the process of establishing his Mashiach status, his fighting battles. Then there's where he's already Mashiach Vada, he's already a definite Mashiach because he's won the battles and now the world has moved into a new zone. And we move into what the, uh, the Navim say, I will turn to the nations, and the whole world will wor- worship Hashem in one, in one direction, in one way. In other words, there won't be any um, challenges to the oneness of Hashem anymore. But here we're talking about prior to that, when Mashiach is still doing his work, fighting the battles, because we're talking here about battles. And it says that the remnant of Yaakov will be amongst the Goyim. They'll be like a lion 
in the ferocious in 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 the beasts of beasts of the field, of the forest, and uh, they will be successful. In other words, we're talking here about a a situation where there's still battles ongoing. So it's not after Mashiach has finished his work. It's the beginning of the Messianic time. More than that. Not just does the Aftari talk about the fight that the Bnei Yisrael will have from the, 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 the bad that fights them from without, but there's also negativity from within. As the Pasuk says in this Aftari, I will, I will get rid of the sorcery, the witchcraft that you guys are practicing. And I will get uh, cut out the psalim, uh, the, the idols, and I will uproot your uh, trees of worship, idolatrous trees of worship. So in other words, there's negativity within the Jewish people. And the bad is with such a power that Hashem has to help and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure to help you get rid of it. As the Pastor says, I will cut off, I will uproot. So obviously the Torah is talking about the time at the beginning of Gola. When the last preparations are taking place to the complete redemption. Now, also, the end of Parshas Balak is also a similar scenario. Parshas Balak is talking about a time before going into Israel for the first time. Jews were camped on Arves, on the other side of Yarden Yerechev, the Jericho, preparing to go, they prepared to go into Israel, just like the last stage of preparing to go into Eretz Yisrael in the coming of Mashiach. Especially as we know that if they wouldn't have sinned, that going into Eretz the first time would have actually been a, a complete redemption. So, in both in the beginning of the Aftarah and the Aftarah is talking about a time where we're poised to go into the Mashiach time, Pasha's Balak is talking about a time when the Bnei Yisrael are poised to go into Eretz the first time, which could have been also the Mashiach time. So we have this immediate, immediate uh, 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 time period pre, prior going to Eretz prior to Geula, prior to redemption which tells us that there's an introduction, there's a preparation here for redemption that is being told to us in Aftar. Gimel. So the preparation to the Gimel is what is, like it says in Aftar, that this remnant of Yaakov, they're of, what are they doing to elicit Hashem's blessing to them that they should be successful in all their battles and uproot all the negative within, says the Aftar, these words, Asher lo ish, they don't place their hope on man, and they don't place their Again, another uh, another expression of hope. They don't place their hope on people. So one second. This is still before the Geula. Even though we're talking here before the complete redemption. Nonetheless, the Seder is already that they don't... We don't have to rely on people. That also includes not just relying on people outside of the Jewish people. Even the Jewish people. Because we know it says... Pasuk, you want to know where it is? Hara 14, you know, it says in Yirmiyah, Cursed is the person who relies on man. Now, who's man? We know Atim Kruim Adam. We know that the uh, um, most accurate word, Adam, refers to Bnei Yisrael. So it means, cursed is the person who relies on man, even on other Jews. You have to just rely on the Ebishtah. As it says, Baruch HaGever, Blessed is the person who relies on Hashem. So we have to rely just on Hashem, not on people. Now, since the Torah is talking there, and the Torah is talking about the beginning of the redemption, so we understand from the fact that it says you should not place your hope on a person. So the Pasuk is 
trying to be shoyalus, trying to negate not just a forbidden behavior, something that's totally and absolutely negative to the Torah, about which it says, cursed is a person who trusts in man, but even a conduct of yekaveh of placing your hope on man, which alpitera is not negated. It is possible that that should be a way of operating, even according to the standards of the Torah. But before Mashiach comes, there's a higher level that one is able, the Bnei Saul are expected to reach, and therefore empowered to reach. So let's understand what does that mean. So the Rebbe continues, it says, It says, we'll bless you in all that you do. The Sifri explains on that, you may think you should just, if Hashem is giving the blessing, you can just sit and do nothing. Comes the passage, it says, No, Hashem will send the blessing and everything that you do. In other words, according to the Torah, you have to make a receptacle, you have to make a vessel, a vehicle, in the ways of nature. And you're not allowed to rely on a miracle. And since the way, and if you're not allowed to rely on a miracle, so that means you have to prepare a conduit through which this blessing should be able to come. In the ways of nature, you need Ish, you need help from other people. So, Alpiteira, and not just, not just Adam, not just from fellow Jews, you need help from other people in general, from humanity in general. So, Alpiteira, there is a, 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 it is not wrong to place your reliance on other people as being a vehicle for carrying out Hashem's wish. Right? The famous... Famously, you know, somebody comes to help you, don't say, Hashem's going to help me. What do you mean? Hashem sent him to help you. There's nothing wrong with that. You have to do, you have to try and do your bit. Now, we just said it says, cursed is the person who relies on the man. It's, there's no paradox. There's no, there's no stitter. There's no contradiction. Why? Because when you make a physical vehicle for Hashem's blessing, a keli, a receptacle, you're not relying on the ways of nature. It's not you're placing your hope on man in and of its own. You're relying on Hashem that He's going to help you through the vehicle which He told you to make because He wants you to work in Derech HaTeva. Right? I mean, He wants us to go and work. So we believe that Hashem's going to make it happen through the things that He told us to do. And this is going to be the upgrade when we come to the time of Gula, then things are going to be ketal me'es Hashem, the Lashem that the Prophet uses in this after is, the B'nai Sol will be like dew, D-E-W, dew from Hashem. You know how dew comes to the world? It's not through man. A person doesn't have to daven for it. It comes, dew comes automatically to the world. And this is what's going to happen here that the help from Hashem is going to come in a way that it's self-motivated, so to speak, from above. It doesn't require the intervention of man. Like Hasidus explains, says the Rebbe here in the square brackets, on the post, it says, Toiv Hashem, we say it in, in the halal. Toiv Hashem, better to trust in Hashem than to trust in man. But it doesn't say you're not allowed to trust in man. It says better to trust in Hashem than to trust in man. What does it say? Toiv, just better than? Seems like there's an alternative. So we understand that even trusting in man is not wrong. It is permissible, and it's a way of trusting in Hashem to help you through men. But trusting directly in Hashem is better. What does that mean? 
When it says b'toyach bonim, trusting in man means the supernal man. But the way Hashem is mamali kolami, the way Hashem fills the worlds, the way Hashem relates to the worlds in creation. That from the level of a mali kolami, the way Hashem fills the worlds, it has to have, to make efforts to try and make a vehicle, try and make a vessel and a, and a, and a garment in the ways of nature that the brach of Hashem should rest therein. That's why we're saying the halal better to trust in Hashem in the level even higher than Adam, the way Hashem is called Adam, the level that's called Havaya, that Savior of Kalam, in the level that transcends all the worlds. Because from that level, you don't even have to try anything in the Dark Yateva. It says, Hashem provides also the vehicle and the garment. You just go with Hashem, He'll provide everything. Also, the way for it to be fulfilled. Hashem makes also the Kaili. It's, it's, it's a radical and an unbelievable, uplifted way of life. But here's the thing. So a person may think, okay, I could just connect Hashem, forget about nature. Dalit says that, but you know, the, 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 the purpose and the kavan of Hashem is not the teva that nature should be totally canceled. No, on the contrary, the teva should be refined. That the way of nature should be uplifted and refined. And the Rebbe quotes here, like we see, the I'm recording this on Yud Beis Tammuz. The Rafirika writes the story of the Alter Rebbe stopping the ship on the way to Kiddush Levana. And he, it stopped. The guy didn't want to stop it. It stopped. And then the Rebbe asked him to stop it. And he stopped. And only then, the first time it stopped in a, in a miraculous way, the Rebbe said, Hallelujah. He said the, the chapter of Tilim before Kiddush Levana. But he didn't actually say the Baruch of Kiddush Levana. The boat started going. Then he asked the guy to stop the boat. The guy stopped the boat. And then he made the Baruch. Why? So the Fidikav explains, when he was a child, he had the question, why didn't the Fidikav, if the boat stopped, why didn't he make Kiddush Levana then? They could, you know, the rocking stopped, now we could say it with Kavana. And the, the Fidikav said, when I got older, I realized that, no, Chassidus tells us that you have to refine the world. So it has to be done in a way of Teva. Mitzvahs have to be done in a natural way. So now that the guy understood he's talking business, he got him to stop the boat. Um, yeah. So from this we understand that, uh, so... We don't want to cancel out nature. Nature is there, but it has to be uplifted. So how does that work? So we understand here when we're saying that before the Geula, as an introduction to the Geula, with lo yekavel ish, the Bnei Yisrael won't hope, place their hope on man, it's not shot that they won't, that the help won't come through other people. No. The nature will be nature, because we want the nature to be elevated. We don't want just a zap coming down from heaven and all your problems being taken care of. We want the issues to be taken care of through Teva, through nature. However, the Teva itself will be totally in unison with Elikus. And what will, be, what, what will be felt, even in this natural help, is that it's only the help of Hashem. Because you understand, when we say Hashem wants to send you the Baruch and everything that you do, this can be in two ways. Here there's a subtle difference. This is so critical. But so subtle. Aleph. So there's one way which you know, I would say is the standard way. Even though a person knows that nature in and of its own doesn't have its own identity, doesn't have its own reality. It's only like an, or its own choice. It's only like an axe in the hand of the chopper. So Hashem is holding onto the axe and uses the ways of nature to be his vehicle to make the world work. However, since Hashem has 
instructed us tasa that we have to do a natural uh, uh, day's work in order to get this bracha. So therefore, it this teva, this natural order of events that we need to do, is very much a reality in our lives. So taka, we know that the bracha is not the actual teva. But because Hashem wants to operate through that way, so the Teva becomes important in our eyes as well. As Rebbe says, just like we explained about the Melaglim, the Melaglim, they thought Hashem couldn't, couldn't make them successfully... Um, what were they saying? Hashem's not able to make them successfully go into Israel. They knew He is able. But they understood that Hashem wants things to happen in a natural way, and in a natural way, they didn't see how it could happen. In other words, yes, you know Hashem's blessing your efforts, but the efforts are also important in your eyes, because Hashem said they're important. Base, on the other hand, there's another way. Yes, He does act in a natural way, but only because Hashem said that. As far as He's concerned, the, the doing the physical help or vehicle or not, that doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It's simply a, 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 a tool that Hashem uses to operate in this world. So we're going to say the difference. It's a subtle difference. And this is the explanation when it says, the Maimon Chazal, it tells us in the Pasuk in Yishai, it says, that the faith of your times, and the Gemara explains the faith in your times, that's actually a reference to say the Zeroim. Emunas is a reference to Seyrezroim, the order of tractates of Mishnah, which is the book of planting. The Gemara explains what is, why is faith and planting, what does faith have to do with planting? It's because when a Jew plants, he believes in Maimon he believes in the eternal life of the world, in Hashem, and he plants. Even though, yes, it's a natural thing that when you plant, it grows. And it doesn't make a difference who's the one who plants. A yid or lahabdol, not yid. Even if somebody didn't actually consciously plant, but there's a seed that just fell on the ground without any human intervention, also naturally it will grow. More than that, Hashem has implanted, after the story with Noah, Hashem implanted there should be no stop in this natural sequence and order of events. When you plant, it grows. Nonetheless, when a yid plants, he doesn't see that the natural sequence of events is what's important. When he plants, he doesn't do it because naturally when you plant it grows, but he does it because Hashem said to plant. He believes in Hashem and that's why he plants. So we're talking about two, we're talking about two approaches. One approach is, in both approaches, what's, what's prevalent, what's present is that there's Hashem, who's the source of blessing, and there's operating by doing natural things, because that's the way Hashem sends His blessing. In other words, what, we're not talking about somebody, God forbid, that thinks it's His actions that make things happen. Hashem is just, you know, providing the general wherewithal. No, that's off the charts. We're not talking to a Jew like that. But Jews don't believe that, but Jews believe Hashem does everything. So that's, on the one extreme, that's not part of the discussion. The other extreme that the Rebbe is excluding here is, Somebody that says, I'm not going to do anything natural. I'm just going to attach myself to Hashem. Hashem is going to send the miracles. No, because that's absconding. That's running away from your mission in the world, which is to make the world a refined place. You need to operate within the world. So now, from within these more narrow parameters, there's still two approaches. How much importance 
you attach to the vehicle which Hashem told you to make? Is, your, is, is what grabs you the vehicle, and you have to remind yourself that it's Hashem that fuels the vehicle? Or, not you have to remind yourself, but you know, you're more into the vehicle, and of course you know it's Hashem who makes it happen through the vehicle. Or you're more into Hashem, and yeah, the vehicle, you have to make the vehicle. What's the difference? Here's where we're going to see the difference in behavior. It's not just a theoretical, theological difference. Hey, the Rebbe says there's a difference in not just how much you feel your trust in Hashem. From that also comes an actual difference in behavior, in thought, speech, and deed. Because when the approach that you have is Asher Taseh, that Hashem told you you got to do, so when that is, is more of a mitzvah, that's a reality in your mind, of course you have to do, you can't just rely on a miracle. So then what happens is that the doing that you're doing and the Torah mitzvahs are two separate things. And when it comes to a contradiction between the two, in other words, between Hashem and what He's telling you to do in order to um, succeed physically and naturally, they seem to be at odds. For example, when a person is going to daven at length, and he realizes if he davens at length, he's going to maybe miss making contacts in his business and so on. Maybe there are people that are going to be leaving after davening. If he doesn't, doesn't wrap up his davening and speak to the business contacts, it's not going to happen. Or if he gives a lot of tzedakah, more than, you know, more than his obligation. Maybe he's not going to have enough money to reinvest in his, in his business and so on. So then there's a struggle. Now even if, even if he lands up saying, you know what? I'm going to focus on Kedusha. I'm going to focus on connecting to Hashem because I understand that Hashem is blessing it with what brings it and the ways of nature are only a cover-up or only a vehicle, only a garment through which Hashem transmits His blessing. But still, there was a, there was a, there was a milchama here. There was a, a, there was a, a challenge. There was a, a battle within him and he overcame it. And therefore, there always remains the possibility that the other side will win. In other words... Sometimes this, the, the Nefesh Abami side, should God forbid, succeed in, in, in being louder voice. So that's where there's still two things. There's Hashem's blessing and there's His activity. And He knows that His natural activity is only blessed because Hashem blesses it. But still, He, can't get, he still can't rid Himself of that feeling that maybe if He, maybe if he gave a little too much tzedakah, maybe that's why His, his business is, uh, is, is didn't have enough of an investment. Then he says, no, 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 but the blessing comes from tzedakah. I mean, I, I did the tzedakah, I don't regret it, I'm going to give the tzedakah. But there's this discussion within him. If a person, the next level, however, is when a person understands that the fact that he has to make a keli, he has to do his natural order of events because Hashem wants to, he doesn't even pay attention to it. In other words, that's not important in and of its own. I just want to do, he just wants to do the will of Hashem. Part of the will of Hashem is to do natural things. So by him, all his deeds and all his paths, it's not something else that's outside of serving Hashem. It is the way he serves Hashem. And that's amazing. And then, there's no reality other than Hashem's will. So we understand that one mitzvah can't be, can't be a stira to another mitzvah. On the contrary, mitzvah gets mitzvah. So he gave tzedakah more, and now Hashem said to make an investment in business, so... He doesn't feel, yeah, whatever's left, he invests in business. 
there's no, there's no challenge, there's no struggle within him to try and maintain an equilibrium. The only reason I do the business is because Hashem said so. So of course I give tzedakah, that's my main thing. Hashem says, hey, you've got to work and operate in the world. in the world. Okay, so I'll make some business contacts. When I finish davening, I'll make business contacts. Well, after I finish giving tzedakah, like I think I should be giving tzedakah, then the rest is going to work out. No struggle. That's called higher level, bitochen, higher level trust in Hashem. Where the uppermost in the mind is Hashem. Even your nat- natural behavior is because Hashem said to do it. You're only doing because Hashem said. So what, you're gonna, you're gonna get you're gonna make that your main thing? No. Remember, we're talking about we're talking about Mamish, two people that are that are believing in Hashem, and it could be Khsidish Yidin, and they, they you know they we're not talking here about people that place, you know, that God forbid are thinking of breaking Shabbos to make Panasa. No. That's out of that's off the charts. That's somebody who doesn't think Hashem is the source of blessing. You're gonna go against Hashem. Here we're talking about a subtle thing, but it expresses itself. In, 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 and, and there can be differences based on that subtlety. Vov. The difference between these two behavior patterns doesn't start with the reality of what we talked about, davening longer, or giving more tzedakah. Because the Yitzhara doesn't come l'chatchile to try and uh, convince a person to, to uh, diminish his behavior of Kedusha. He wouldn't succeed in coming to a, to a chosid, coming to a frumayid and getting to do that. What is the Yitzhara come l'chatchile? Yitzhara comes, Yitzhara comes in, a, in a crafty way. Yeah, so it doesn't even come and say you just move away a little bit from Hashem. Yeah, Shana comes in the beginning, says, you know, you got you got you gotta do, you gotta operate in the ways of Teva. But only, of course, the way it fits into Teramit says you can't, because Hashem is a source of bracha. The Yitzhar also agrees with that. He's, he, he he lends an ear to the Jew and he says, Yeah, I agree. I'm not arguing with you about that. I just want to tell you. Don't don't be so blasé. Don't be so uh, 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 you know not interested in the in the ways of nature because the Torah itself placed emphasis on it. Ah, and tomorrow he may come and say the Torah placed more emphasis on it. That's the main thing. Like the Fidik Rebbe explained in the Maimer Chazal that says this is the way the Yitzhara operates. Today he says do this. He's not saying do this something wrong today. He's saying do kach, do this, do something good. He doesn't say do the opposite of Hashem, what Hashem wants. He says do good. I, you know what? I agree you should do Torah mitzvahs. And he explains why it's good. And it fits in my plan also, says the Yitzhah. It's good, it's the best thing to do. But once he got his nose in there, once he got his, uh, his voice in there, and the person gets used to the fact that it's that he needs his yetsahot as a scum, he needs also his body to agree with the path he's going on, because why not? If everybody can be in agreement on this, the problem is once he's listening to that other voice, tomorrow that other voice may come and give a little shift. Until he could find himself, God forbid, serving idolatry. And that's why the way to protect yourself from that, from not listening to yetsahot, is not through operating in tamvadas through... Uh, rhyme and reason because in the end of the day when you, ha- when you give too much room to intellect and reason you give too much room for nature 
you don't know where he's going to take you tomorrow. You have to actually have bitl and mysterious nefesh to the supernal will. Higher than reason and higher than rhyme and reason, higher than reason and, and, and intellect. Then, you say, I, I, I don't want to listen to you. There's by me nothing other than Hashem's will. Similarly to what we said before, that toiv lachseiz ba'ashem, don't trust in Adam, because when you talk about Adam, which it's parallel in the service of a person to Hashem is serving Hashem in a way that comes and makes sense into your intellect and your rationale as well. So that will lead you, that's not, that's not the best way to serve Hashem, it's not the best way to trust in Hashem because that will lead you to place too much prominence on, on the reality of nature. Better to be, to jump up and to put your trust in Havaya, the level of Seve Kolam, the transcendent level, which the parallel in Avedis Sodom, in service of Hashem, is a bitle, total uh, self-nullification, uh, total absence of self to incorporate yourself, to incorporate, to attach to Hashem higher than Tam Vadas, higher than rhyme and reason. And in that, when you, when you connect Hashem at that deeper level, then the ways of nature just don't, don't really take up any any space. They don't. They don't. They're not in your realm to disturb you, and that's why in that space when you totally attach to Hashem higher than rhyme and reason, Hashem will provide also the vehicle and the garment in nature. There is kalim, like we said, because the purpose is to refine the world. So there, it does operate to the world. It's not just some kind of a a, a UFO descends and unloads the gold and silver. It comes through maybe this. It comes through buying and selling. It may come through the stock market. It may come through whatever it is that a person makes his pardosa. But it's coming directly from Hashem, who's also providing the wherewithal. Like we said before, that when a person does in Derech HaTeva, um, it's not called Ezra's Ish, that a person has helped him. Because a person operates, the Teva doesn't really talk to him. And he's totally devoted to Hashem. And he just does nature because Hashem said to do it. But he doesn't really feel that there's importance to it. Then that's not called getting help from man. That's called getting help directly from Hashem. And that's the preparation to the Geula. Preparation to redemption is you don't put, place your hold a man. Because when Mashiach comes, that's when nature is going to totally lose its facade. Everybody's going to see with fleshy eyes how nature itself is alikus. That's why it's going to be like dew from Hashem, not relying on a person, not relying on, on people. It's going to be like what we say, Hashem will provide the vehicles as well. According to all this, we'll understand the last Aesir, I think, Zion. Not, not the last Aesir, no, no, no. Zion. According to this, we'll understand the connection of the Aftarah to the end of Balak. In the end of Balak, there is related the sin of Baal Pe'er. And how... Pinchas had self-sacrifice to fix that chet. As it says, he atoned for the Bnei Yisrael. So Chassidus explains that the source of the sin of Balper, where, where does it come from? What it was the service of Balper, that this particular idolatrous um, um, idol was served in a way they would, as <laughs> strange as it sounds, they would relieve themselves and defecate, um, do their big needs in front of this idol. That was the way it was served. 
what, what, what kind of a what kind of an idolatrous practice is that? I mean, human waste in front of the idol, but what it was symbolic. What was the symbolic? It was symbolic of giving credence, giving prominence to waste. Human waste is, you know, is, 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 is repulsive. But if you think about the parallel in the spiritual spheres, they were idolatrous. They were thinking of spiritual parallels. The waste of the angels actually becomes the delicacies of this world. The indulgences of this world actually come as, from, it's the waste of the angels. So they were part of a philosophy to indulge in the waste of the angels. And by somehow by, by defecating in front of the idol, they were symbolizing that they wanted maybe more angel waste, and that was their, their focus, to eat and live and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. Basically, that kind of focus on, on enjoyment, indulgence. So now let's think about it in, in, in our service of Hashem. How can it sometimes be that a person makes physical indulgence, which is waste, the main center point of his life? Where does that come from? It, that comes from the fact that in his eyes, the ways of nature uh, are important. They're not, they're not just subservient, totally spirituality, they have prominence. And from that can come, if you, if you, if you give credence to the laws of nature and to physical and, and material things, you could slide down the slippery slope where you make that, you make indulgence in crass materialism an important center point in your life. Now we'll also understand why it says that to counterbalance this, this, this idol, it's still there. It's still there every year. It kind of it arouses itself and reminds that sin that we did. Till the dead will come back to life, it's still there and it needs to be atoned for. Um, sorry, I want to look up this Maimur Chazal. Um, uh, the Kapara, I think, is the Kapara of Pinchas, but every year, but he still has to constantly be atoning for this sin till the dead come back to life and then it will be totally absolved. It won't, in other words, there's a concurrent atonement. Why is the sin still, sin, the sin still there? Because the total wiping away, the total purity of this sin is only going to be when Mashiach comes. Then there's going to be the completion of the refinement of nature and then we'll see that all nature is just one with Alikus. And then there won't be any possibility for this mistake of making waste of angels, physical indulgence down here, to be something of, of prominence. To counterbalance that, though, now we need the Messias Nefesh of Pinchas. This is the Messias Nefesh where the Torah itself says, if Pinchas would have asked, should he kill the cohabitating couple, he would have said no. And even so, Pinchas didn't care, and he was Mason Nefesh, he went, jumped higher than intellect, he just saw a situation where he has to stand up for the honor of God, and he went for it. This is called self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice, it's higher than Tamadas, higher than rhyme and reason. Even of Tamadas, of Kedusha, because as we said, the, the basin wouldn't have told him to do it. As we said before, the Dafka, when you reach higher than Tamadas, Dafka Bittl, when a person is totally um, is absorbed within Hashem, higher than rhyme and reason, even Tamadas of Kedusha, that's the only time where we can be totally forewarned, we can totally be protected in a proper way, not to separate between Teva, between nature and Elikutz. Even though the Torah says, serve Hashem in everything that you do. 
Ches. This will understand the connection between this and going into Eretz Yisrael. Because the story of Parshas Balak happens right before the Bnei Song going to Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because in the Midbar, the Jews were in a different plane. They were getting Man. Man was a miraculous way of life. You couldn't make a mistake that it's the human actions that have some uh, bearing on your Parnassah. Because it said that as much as you tried, the guy who tried to bring in more couldn't bring in more than he needed. The guy who thought he was trying less and he'd have less than he needed didn't have less than he needed. Everybody had exactly what they needed. It was a heavenly giving. And the man was only for that day. Every day you had to put your trust in Hashem day by day. And you know it's coming only from Hashem. There was no way. Hashem didn't let any sliding or slipping during that period of time. But going into Eretz Yisrael, that was going to have to start a new world order. Eretz Neishov is a settled land. So first Hashem had to prepare them for this and say, don't get caught up in the waste of Baal Pe'er. Don't get caught up in the indulgences. Because what... Why? What's because now you are going to go into a modality where the ways of nature are important. You're gonna to have to engage with them. Remember, still, don't place your trust on those things, on man, on the on the garments you make. It's in Hashem. You have to constantly remember that the teva is only a conduit for Hashem's blessing. It's not its own reality. And you have to have the same trust in Hashem as you had when you were in the desert eating the man. Here comes the Rebbe and says, this is a message for us in the last days of the Zmanagolos, the time of exile, when we're preparing to go into Eretz Yisrael to Mashiach. Even though we're in a very dark, doubled over dark time, and the Rebbe says, you know, doubled over because there are some people that don't even know that it's darkness. There are some people that think we're in the beginning of the redemption. The Rebbe is referring here to the, uh, you know, to Israel. Um, the Sikh is being said in Tavshin Chav Gimel in 1963, not so long after the, uh, after the foundation of the State of Israel, and it was still was seen as, to some, some kind of a messianic advent. The Rebbe said, no, the Mashiach is only the way that Ammam says, after the, the wars are fought and everybody comes back to the mitzvahs and so on. But he says, but some people are so dark that they think this is already the beginning of some kind of a gula. No, this is dark, dark. The cheshech, the darkness is doubled over, just like the, just like the Baal Shem Tov taught. There's such a concealment that a person may not even think it's a concealment. He thinks everything is fine and dandy. That's an even bigger concealment. You know, when somebody knows that they're sick, at least they can try and heal themselves. God, God forbid if somebody thinks they're healthy, they thinks their sickness is health, he will never try and fix himself. When there's a darkness, said the Baal Shem Tov, Haster, Haster, when the concealment, and the person thinks there's no concealment, that's even a bigger concealment. Says the Rebbe, the Cheshach of Golos is even a bigger Cheshach. Some people think we're already kind of in a, in a messianic mode. But we see, literally, we see palpably, that it's dark, that the godliness is, is, is covered over. Nonetheless, since everything that's coming when Mashiach comes is dependent and hinged on what we do here in the time of the Golos, so we have to move into a zone of what's going to be. Especially in our generation, we're making the last preparations for the Golos of Mashiach. As Fidik Rebbe said, that Mashiach is Mashiach is just waiting behind the wall. And more than that, the said, the walls of the of the Golas are burning down. Behind the burning wall, it's about to crumble. Mashiach is almost here. So we have to start preparing for that. So we have to do something similar. I'll call upon him at least similar to the Aveda of what it says about Mashiach, that right before Mashiach, when Mashiach comes, you won't trust on man, just on Hashem. 
So we have to try and bring this into our Avedah. And what does that mean? That the ways of nature shouldn't be important to us. We should have faith only in Hashem. Operate in nature, because Hashem said so, but feel that faith in Hashem is the main thing, and the operating according to nature is just a result, because Hashem said to do it. And through that, each of us will be able to be redeemed from our personal golos, because besides the, the general golos, and Mashiach coming, there's a personal golos, which part of that is daigus, worries, and Yonim things that bother us, things that disturb us. What are you worried about? Because if, if you focus on doing what you have to do only because Hashem said to do it, because that's how you fulfill Hashem's will, so you're not going to be worried about, you're not going to be totaled, you're not going to be preoccupied, is my, is my natural path working out or not? No, the one question is, does Hashem want me to do this? Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. It's not going to disturb you. The only thing, only one question you have, I want to do Hashem's will. That's it. If I'm doing Hashem's will, it looks like it's working out. That doesn't bother me. I'm doing Hashem's will. And that's redemptive, even now. And this goal of brothers, this individual redemption, which everybody can achieve by themselves, this is also a preparation to the general redemption. To we'll come to a day which is called a day that's totally Shabbos and rest forever, because that's so restful when everything's taken care of. We can... We need to also prepare for that time, usher in that time by doing it now, by having a full, full bitoch of Hashem and understanding that the Teva is just because He said to do Teva. And then we can be in a liberative, in a liberated, redemptive state. And then we can go to the general good. Amen.